Welcome to Build with Rob. I am Rob Deerdeck, CEO and founder of the Deerdeck Machine. We are a company that creates companies. Okay, we systematically fuse art, science, and magic to manufacture amazing. We use a little thing called the machine method. And guess what? I systematically fuse art, science, and magic to manufacture an amazing life using a little thing I call the machine mindset. Uh, and that's what this show is all about. You know, it's all about uh, business strategy and, and all about life strategy. And for me, you know, I'm all about systems and everything. You know, I, I think your life is this beautiful system of all these integrated systems. And when you des- when you eventually learn to design, automate, and optimize and integrate all these systems together, you are guaranteed to live an extraordinary uh, life, no doubt, you know, because you've it's on you to create it. And why why I even talk about automation and everything is because it just it leads to make it easier. You naturally drive everything to automation in your life. And when you focus on getting it to automation and then getting it to optimization, like that's where the greatness occurs. That's when you can really do special things when you're just taking something automated and making it better and better. And look, if you've been listening to me on my podcast roadshow in 2021, you would be hearing a lot about me talking about my qualitative and quantitative data that I track about myself. Um, and, and really, you know, I've talked about it a little bit on this show, but but I, I want to simplify it a little bit for for some of you guys that, that listen and want to attempt to do it yourself and, and give it to you a little bit more philosophically on sort of what qualitative data is to me and and how if you want to attempt to use it, I think it can really, really change your life and give you clarity on a lot of things that are really hard to like understand. But for, for most people, when they hear me talking about, I, you know, I, every day I track, you know, how I feel about my life, work and health, the quality of my sleep, how motivated I was. I asked my wife about the relationship and then I track my core six. Did I get up at five? Did I brain drain? Did I meditate? Did I get in the gym? Did I have a clean diet? Did I not drink? It's overwhelming and it's quite extensive. You know what I mean? But I'm like, I'm up, I'm, I'm up here, you know, in that like elevated like mastery level of, of this type of work you know and 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 what I'd like to to bring it all the way down is just this idea of building qualitative self-awareness right and qualitative self-awareness to me is just learning to just ask yourself how you feel about your life it's that simple right if you just each day, Take time to ask yourself now, how do I feel about my life as it sits today, zero to 10, right? And, and how you would look at that is in this day today, if you're a five, you're just, you're, you're neutral. Like you're not entirely hopeful. You're not negative. You're just like, you know, everything's like decent. You know, I'm not, I'm not bummed. I'm not super hopeful or hyped. You know, I'm just living, Right. And if you're six and above, man, the world's half full. You're hopeful. doesn't matter what happens. You can kind of see, uh, you know, your life evolving, the, the, the mission you're on, the things you're doing, your job, your girlfriend, your relationships, your boyfriend, whatever it may be, everything is hopeful and positive. And then below a five, boy, it's half empty. Oh, it's half empty. And on half empty, man, you pick apart every single thing that there is. And it's funny because when you get to half empty, it's this odd, you know, it's very binary, right? You're really either half full or half empty. And when you're half empty, you like, you're mad at yourself for buying a couch. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you're mad at yourself for even like doing something you did like two years earlier, when you dip below into half empty, it is this unusual place where you just, it's, it's almost like compounded negativity. And, it, you know, it's not a matter of being, 
an optimist and having gratitude and, and all of these different sort of things of like where people would be like, oh, you can't think like that. You know what I mean? You got to think positive. You know, I'm the most positive human being alive. I'm the most positive human being alive. But there was a point like even through all that positivity, boy, you dip down into half empty and, and boy, in everything. And, and it's crazy how it compounds and how it, it literally splinters out into all of these things that you wish you would have never done. And, and for the most part, like it seems so complex. Like, why am I, why am I so worried about my couch? You know what I mean? Like, why did I, you know, I should have never got that new Honda Civic, you know, now I'm going back to like the nineties, but I'm, what I realized when I just started doing that though, is that there was sort of one sort of major thing, like one or two major things that were part of triggering me, bringing me down. Right. And, and the same way that the same sort of things were always like bringing me up and keeping me high and keeping me excited. Right. And, and as I began to do it now, uh, day in and day out, like when I would get to another, you know, I'd be neutral, neutral, and then I'd get to another negative day, it would be like, wow, it's the same thing again. Right. And so what does that do? That now, you know, begins to build a case for something quantifiable for you to change. That's why I always say like, you know, qualitative data for quantifiable change, right? It's like qualitative is how you feel. Quantifiable is something you can actually take action on and do, right? Qualitative all like, you know, it's only you and it's just like you got to trust yourself that you're making a good assessment because it's basically just how you feel. And then quantitative is something you can make an actual change on, you know? And as you begin to do that, the, the most interesting aspect of it, and, and you know, I, I even when I share this all the time, I'm usually not – it's usually in the context of all of these different things that, that I'm doing, and I, and I try to explain it from, from time to time for people to, to kind of get into it even though I know it's like a little – it's progressive, I'd say, a progressive mental health tool. And for me, it's like you, you end up seeing – a handful of things that keep showing up that pull you down. It's not, and, and life seems so incredibly complex. You feel when you're half empty, you feel as if like all of these things have conspired against you and brought you here. And, and it's why you can look deep into decisions you made years before and, and bad, like, decisions you made that are totally irrelevant to your current state but you're you're judging yourself for that like all of this feeling is so hard to to make any sense of on really what it is what it triggered it exactly but when you ask yourself well it's like well this just happened that's what drove me here and then when you see that happen two or three more times it's like wow okay here I am again, and I thought it was all these other things, but it's just this one person. It's this one feeling of debt. It's this one aspect of the job that I'm doing. It's this aspect of how I'm taking care of myself, right? Like whatever it may be, what will happen is you will eventually begin to see things that you can actually take action on and change. And so – you know, the craziest thing is, is I think, and, and I don't have any science behind this and, you know, I, I don't have a good data pool as it relates to anyone that I know that, that, uh, does this at scale. You know, I don't have many people around me that, that practice this, you know, occasionally people will tell me they practice it. Can't get my wife to commit to it. You know what I mean? She's not trying to live with that machine mindset, but I know that, that it's not, it's not like a hundred things you need to change to get to to a a much higher quality of of half full life. I think it's for most people, you know, like like four to seven things. It's not that many. And once you clear all those out, now you're you're in this sort of perpetual state of being neutral and half full. And then now it's circumstantial stuff 
that that hits you, that pulls you down, uh, or decisions that you've made that were risky that now have come back to hit you and now have pulled you down. But you become so much more clear on what is actually affecting you emotionally and how you actually feel, you know, because because you again. You know, I talk a lot about energy and energy awareness and and optimizing for energy and defending energy, you know, and all that's based off of how you feel and how you feel is super elusive. And and it's why using something as simple as just asking yourself every day how you feel about your life, zero to ten will begin to give you feedback over time that allows you to make uh, the changes you need to make to make your life better, to make you feel better, to feel better about your life. And and then I can tell you on the other side of it, boy, man, it's you then grow, you do this for years and then you become so highly optimized. Then you begin to look at, you know, why am I so disciplined of getting up at five every day, brain training, meditating, getting in the gym, eating clean and not drinking? Because I see it affect the qualitative numbers on the quality of my life. And then it, it, it basically was the tool that gave me the motivation and the discipline to, to do those six things for my health. Because I know from the numbers that it affected my motivation, my sleep, how I felt about my life, my work, and my health. And ultimately was the tool that allowed me to live this very high quality existence that I live today. So hope that makes sense to you in a more simple way for you to do it. Uh, But I really think everybody should try to do it and just practice it, even if it's sporadic, because it'll give you incredible insight to yourself. And ultimately, it's a simple tool that I think can make great change in your life. Uh, And just like this show. Uh, you know, I like to, to feed some life strategy. I like to feed some business strategy. And today, uh, we're going to do a little bit of both. You know, we got some great entrepreneurs that are that are coming on the show here. Got some great questions about life, great questions about business. And really, you know, I, I don't preach to, to, to every entrepreneur that comes on the show to practice this sort of machine mindset that I have evolved into. But in due time, I will create the tool set uh, that I want every person that ever comes on this show, every person that ever listens to it, to utilize it so that they can put themselves in that perpetual state. So without further ado, let's bring in some of our guest entrepreneurs. In this video, I will prove to you that I am a do or die, or that I am principal fit and my business is a perfect fit for the Deer Deck Machine. My name is Brandon Wessig founder and president of Never Ending Defender based in Akron, Ohio. Shout out Ohio. The Never Ending Defender basketball training harness provides a simulated defender that moves intuitively with the player, perfectly contesting all skills being practiced, building confidence and preparedness in athletes by providing the opportunity to never practice without a defender again. Since you are evaluating founders and companies on the unique process where both one, the merits of the co-founder and two, the product idea is assessed, you will not find a better candidate. Brandon Wessig, welcome to Build with Rob. How are you? Thank you, Rob. I am good. I'm well, man. Thanks for having me. I right, look, uh, you know, let's let's get into it, man. Let's talk about the product that you pitched. I'd love for you just to give a, a, a quick, you know, elevator pitch of what this product is and, and what uh, service it provides. Yes, sir. So the never ending defender is a basketball training device that teaches you to shoot with a hand in your face and practice dribbling without seeing the ball. It's uh, it simulates a defender simulates in-game experiences when you're practicing by yourself. Yeah. And look, I, I got to tell you, you're a true do or dire man. You really like your, your, your wherewithal to, to sort all this stuff out, figure all this stuff out. Uh, to to go and get it sourced, to ultimately get it developed and create and bring this thing to life is is super significant. Uh, so I want to congratulate you on 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 bringing it all the way to life, all the way from Akron, Ohio. 
not to not to not to you know forget about the great LeBron James, but also the great Christopher Drama Path is uh, from hey, the Akron yes, area sir. as well. <laughs> yes, uh, sir. You know, and, and tell me, you know, like what what has been sort of the process of bringing it to market, and um, have you have you found challenges in it? Right, because it kind of seems like it's one of those products where. There's a pretty clear path to who would buy it and why would buy why they would buy it, and and given your sales background and and sort of your nature to go out and sell yourself, I'm I'm curious as to sort of the challenges that you've faced in in finding consumers for the product. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great question. I'll give you a quick elevator kind of ninety second pitch background. So I had the idea for the product way back in college, probably twenty. 12, 13, I was actually in a buddy's basement and we were just kind of spitballing ideas. I'm like, man, I'm going to make this thing called the never ending defender. That was the first and only name ever. It just came out, rolled off, rolled off the tongue. And, uh, you know, I was still in school, had student loans, wasn't making too much money. So I kind of put it on the back burner. Um, after I graduated, got a sales job and actually I enjoyed working, but I was like, man, I really want to pursue this idea. So, uh, the idea came about just, I, I like shooting, practicing by myself. There was nothing on the market that that moved with you intuitively um, that was developed well or or was selling. So I just kind of, I, I started, I went to an arts and crafts store, got a sketch pad, some wire, started drawing out some stuff, called up my one friend, went to a basketball court, wrapped them in wire and, and just made this very first rudimentary crude prototype. Next day, Google design t- uh, like businesses, companies, things like that. Met with a design team, and then it just it snowballed from there. I mean, that's that's a huge umbrella, but you know, met with website designers, patent attorneys, company general counsel for liability issues, uh, things like that. So as as the process developed, I became affiliated with this a really really good business mentor of mine. We were kind of starting to define the target market. And uh, he taught me something. He's like, you know, who you're going to be selling to, at least with this product, is not who's going to necessarily be using it. And I was like, well, you know, I, I, I didn't think about that. I was kind of creating content for the sixth grader to, to 12th grader. He's like, man, it's, it's probably going to be the parents purchasing for the kids. And I would say that was one of the biggest lessons early on I learned. I'm like, wow, my my. Yeah. Hey, look, and, and hey, I, hey, I just want to stop you because it is an amazing lesson. You know what I mean? I, 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 and what a great mentor, uh, because it is the oh, difference, yeah. you know, it, it is the difference between the consumer and the customer, right? Like who's going to actually buy it versus who's going to use it. And so often like, you know, you know, they're, they're, the, the word is actually used uh, interchangeable, right? Where it's just sort of the same thing where it's like, okay, like whoever's going to buy, it's going to use it. And, and that's, that's really great advice. Um, as it, as it relates to, um, what that is, but is that true to the product, right? Is, is the product you designed for a customer that is a parent and a consumer is a kid, or is it a teenage college, uh, customer consumer that that's like, to me, like where is the volume and who buys it and who is actually the target customer, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the the target purchaser, we have it adults ages 18 to 54 with a child that has the money to purchase and their child is dedicated to becoming better at basketball. So that yeah. sounds super narrow, super specific, but it's a super narrow, super specific product. And we've actually seen more parents purchase. You know, Rob, I'll tell you something that I I thought we were gonna have a lot of one-off sales. 20 minutes before this phone call, I got a, I got an order for two from a coach. Mm-hmm. I had an order for a, for 10 of them from a sporting goods store in Michigan. I have another 10 in a sporting goods store here. And so we're seeing one thing that I didn't, I, I mean, I'd never started to build a business, sold at retail before. We thought we were going to do most of our sales on Amazon online. We we're now we're in two stores and we're having coaches purchase, which yeah. is not something that I thought was going to be our, our largest uh, like kind of sales source, but it's, it's, we're selling more than one at a time. Yeah. Hey, look, let me, let me say this. My gut is when I think about it, it's just coaches, right? Like, I don't even (laughs) like, I don't even look at it as parents. I look at like, who's actually like, like your lens is that like, Hey, this is going to make your child become a better basketball player without the coach. Like my lens Mm -hmm. was like, this is actually a tool for coaches to to run 
players through drills with the never ending defender to make them better. Right. And, and, and absolutely. And, and look, it's part of business. You discover like who your actual Mm -hmm. like customer is going to be sort of along the way. Right. And it's a product market fit thing. And, and, and I think even the lens of thinking it's every product's going to be direct to consumer because it's an easier path is what a lot of people fall into when in this day and age, it's omni-channel. Why not Amazon? It, Why it not really retailers? Is. Why not B2B, which w- would really be coaches? You know what I mean? Like, And look, if I was you, I would like build a, like, why your players need this and send it to every single high school in the entire country, every single college in the entire country, because guess what? Each one of them could order, like, literally, like, 10 or 20, like, a year. That's the value and the lifetime value of those customers could potentially be. Yeah, yeah. So I I couldn't say it better myself. I don't know if you've been on the Instagram recently, but we went through Ohio, at least Northeast Ohio, donating to different schools. So that was kind of early on. And just to hit on a point that you said, as you go through the experience, it's funny. I I like journaling and creating kind of like uh, content about my business. And one thing I say for some of my friends that want to start business, I say, hey, have a business plan. And in the beginning, set yourself set that business plan as a parameter. And as you grow, those parameters are either going to become principles or you're going to see that that's the wrong path. And that's exactly what happened with us. I was like, okay, I'm going to stick within these parameters, donate to schools, donate to key influencers, things like that. And wherever we generate sales is where I'm going to focus my time. So just last week, I um, we did a mailing campaign to 2,000 different retail stores across the country, created a mail out, got on, I don't know if you what. Uh, we did we use this federal database and we're getting results from that now so it's kind of this was my idea in the beginning that's where i see and so you pivot and you you see how it goes man yeah and, and <laughs> you, hey you and know, so you've, you've done it yeah and, and my question to you is like in you know this is this to me is a type of business that ultimately you know doesn't really need capital investment right you don't want to take on on investors you know what i mean like you know this is you well, know, i don't know about all that now <laughs> yeah and and, and and so to me like where why do you need money in in your estimation is this just for is this for you know not wanting to build to sell S- single products are extraordinarily hard to sell unless you know it's it's a consistently sold product that's like on amazon then people buy an amazon companies may potentially do it perhaps a sporting goods company may do it but you know is your vision to build it and sell it is it to be this long term sustainable profitable thing is it to scale out into more the defense products right that could potentially be a suite of products that help the basketball defense like what's the vision for the brand and what's the vision for the capital the vision for i will answer that in a few different ways so if it were strictly to answer your capital question for marketing expenses yeah for to pay to get on commercials during nba games to get into sponsorships with the ncaa tournament things like that we're talking that's so expensive though you know what I'm saying? That's very yeah. That's about, yeah you know what I mean? Extreme. And then then it's like, okay, what am I raising money on at that point? And then like you grow into something like that. Like if you're selling mm-hmm. enough to where you could afford to spend a half million dollars on a and hope that you can convert uh, a, enough units that would support that, you know? Um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's then you got to understand how much you're giving up of that versus building a very clean organic business that has great margins mm-hmm. that can become profitable and sustainable for you long term rather than taking mm-hmm. on like big investment is something that I would think that you would want to think about you know yeah definitely um but to answer the second part of your question what's the exit strategy or the growth plan we do have I do have other ideas of attachments for the harness so we have the the, like the attachment here, that's Velcroed onto the harness, but the harness, the base, we have ideas for other attachments. If we don't pursue that route, I would say scaling it and then selling to a training company with a larger portfolio. So right yeah. now I'm working on a business partnership with some other training organizations, sent them out a few. They they caught wind of our products, said, hey, we think this is cool. I was like, yeah, I, I think it, if, if we partnered as a business, it would create a really cool training method. So seeing what they say for companies that are already international, already have marketing budgets more than way, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm, I'm along for the ride, but I'm being extremely observant of um, potential avenues, 
where we're making our most sales, where I think I'm wasting money and time and constantly trying to spend my spend my time and money resources in the best way to, to grow. Yeah. That mean I'm, I mean, look, the, the beauty of it is, is I, you're going to know quickly, right? Like you got a handful of places <laughs> you can target, right? Like you can win with coaches, you can win with sporting goods. Like, you know, you got all these places that, and, and then you got to sell through at retail to, to be able to stick in there. It's got to really work for coaches. Then coaches are going to tell coaches and coaches are going to tell coaches, right? Like, uh, I really mm-hmm. think that that ends up being the world because coaches can actually see the effectiveness of the product and why you created it. A parent can't, right? And even a That's young kid, even a young kid may not even really feel like he's developing like the defense the way versus like a coach seeing the the development in the player. So you know, just just something to think about. But hit me with your questions, man. I know you got a, a couple questions. I'd love to get to those. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of dovetail off what you said. What you're saying about the coaches is true because the coaches is what substantiates purchasing for the parents. So we have uh, yeah, actually yeah. LeBron's assistant high school coach gave us a review, and he was like, you know, one of the biggest things he's like, I can now coach you and actually watch your footwork, watch your hand placement, watch how your body moves without playing defense on you. And that yeah. was that was one of our best reviews. That's great. Man, I'm going to just say, yeah. I, I guess for you, you have a plethora of businesses in different areas. For for a business question, when, when a business that you're running um, isn't achieving the desired sales results, sales goals, what's the first thing that, that you would look at? Is it the marketing, price point, brand identity, how you're qualifying the customers? Um, just that, yeah. It's never one thing, but it's it gets completely clear when you try to modify all of those and you still can't create revenue. And and, and I'll 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 tell you one thing that that is very certain for me um, at the scale that I operate at. We we try to do as much of that failing and pivoting and and evolving before we ever launch the product so that like when we launch the product, it, it, if it does not start selling and generating revenue immediately, immediately, then we know most likely it's going to have a long, hard road to try to find a consumer and begin to scale. Right. It, it, it's just gotten to mm-hmm. the point where, where, you know, all of that matters, but it, it to me, always boils back to the product and the value proposition and the service that the product does. Like it, it, at the end of the day, like brand, brand identity, brand story, marketing, all of these things are ways to, you know, basically engage and acquire customers. Then it's really about the conversion is based off of what that product does for that customer, right? And so mm-hmm. um, in, in, it just becomes so clear on, you know, uh, the vision for the product and, and what its potential was is not there and is not working. And, and look, and, and the first thing you got to pivot is into who that customer is, right? Now you got to try to talk to all these different groups. Okay, maybe it's this. Then, then it's like, all right, well, maybe it's the price, right? Okay, but if you talk to this one and, and this person and that price, like it, that sort of all of those things together, you got to fight for to kind of find it. But if you didn't nail that, generally, you don't have to hit it out the park, but if you're not like doing it at all, um, and then your first couple pivots are the same thing, you know, it, it's a, you know, it's a never say die world, especially in entrepreneurialism. Like you're, you believed in the idea, you committed to doing it. Like it's hard to ever not keep pivoting any which way, but loose until something works. And look, sometimes, you know, I had a business that literally, man, could not get the vision did not work. Oh, I mean, pivot in any which way, but lose, invest in all of it. It was like finally ready to give up. And one product at retail made it a multi-million dollar profitable business overnight. Right. What, and it was uh, one what, retailer, what one product. That was St. Midas. Right. And, and like, that was like a testament of like, wow, like, wow. Like, and it's, it's, it's that idea that sometimes like you can, um, find it out of nowhere. But my lesson there is how we actually built and brought that thing to market. I would never, ever do like a company like that ever again, 
right? And so, <laughs> and, and and the beauty of it is, is that's that's the beauty when the stakes are your mastery of your business is how do you get better and better and better at building businesses that even though you co-find and bring these businesses to market, like like the lessons that are learned and the ones that aren't working as well, like aren't the stakes aren't as high as it is for the entrepreneur and it's their only business. You know what I mean? Like because it's more uh, part of everything that you're doing, but it allows us to get better and better and better at bringing stuff to market. And now at this stage, it, it, you can almost begin to see immediately, okay, this works. And now it's a matter of how big does it get um, is, mm-hmm. is, is way, way more fun, you know? So that, that's sort <laughs> yeah. of my, my view on what that is. And you got to try it all. And then if none of it works, you know, you, you've got to reconsider taking all those lessons and, and take a shot at something new, which is always extraordinarily mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you 100%, 100%. Uh, you want the second question? Hit me. I would say this, from all the experiences that you've had in business, everything you've learned about yourself, failure, um, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self starting out? So if, if if I'm in your position talking to me or vice versa, what, what would you give me if I were you? You know, I'm, I think probably the, the, the thing that I would learn to do is not make business so personal, right? When I was young, every single business was, it was like my identity. It was like who I was. It was like, so it was like, it became as it struggled, I struggled. Right. Rather hey man, than can I, can I interject? I'll be sure. rude for one second. Sure, man. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. So I, I said earlier, I write a lot. I, uh, I was just kind of writing down the other day. I said the most important thing when you're starting a business is disassociating your self-worth, self-esteem and identity from the success or failure of your business. You, you have to do that. And I feel very blessed. Like, seriously, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that <laughs> I I learned that. Like, seriously, yeah, Father, and I'm yeah. like, thank God, because I, I was like that in the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning, I mean, I would I would get a, a rejection and I would go home and I wouldn't turn my computer on the rest of the day. And then I would hear three yeses and I would be like, let's go to Disney World. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so it's so funny. It's so funny you say that because I feel very, very blessed to kind of have gone through that yeah. and and really internalized that to yeah, where hey look now hey. I, I was scared rob i'll be real i was scared yeah. shitless when i was first approaching yeah. retail stores yeah. now i'm like i walk in it's like yo what's up they're like okay that's cool i'm like all right here they're like ah, we don't want it i'm like all right man thanks for your time yeah, <laughs> hey, hey look and and to me it's the you discovered it right N- like naturally at the right time and as i said it like i'm I wasn't sure where you landed on it because it's, you know, in the basement of the homies like uh, house and the one shot, one kill with the name and like a passion for basketball and like living at my parents house. So I get this thing off the ground like I ain't stopping like, you know, like it's like like to me, like it had all the makings for it for it having that. And, And it's tough for that not to be. But I was deciding what I would do based off of that and then digging my heels in based off of that rather than than learning to to like how do you create great business and let that be and and know that you're going to learn all these lessons that you can continue to apply uh, in growing and evolving this business and a business you may do in the future beyond that. Right. I think that was like the big thing and and look you're better than i was you're better than i was it hey, took man. me <laughs> took me much much longer to figure that out you know so uh, look it was hey, an well, absolute... you were too busy spending your money to have to journal about things uh, hey, <laughs> i'm sitting here hey no hey <laughs> hey it is i do so much like introspective work right you know and and I, I i talk about it a lot where i ask myself every day zero to ten how i feel about my life work and health and that qualitative data, how do I feel, then began to produce these quantitative things that I could change to make me feel better about my life, work, and health, you know? And, mm-hmm. and it is a similar practice to journaling 
and it and over time it allowed me to really grow to this very evolved state you know so so make no mistake and i do it to this day and i live an extraordinary yeah. life you know that is highly optimized fully balanced filled with love and abundance and you know one foot in the present experiencing this life that i've created and and one eye on the future so i can i can create what i want to do and experience in the future and it, and it's possible for everybody and i know you're on your path there and and get with all those coaches man and get to those schools and let this be <laughs> Uh, your your first big win and I can't wait to see LeBron in it I just know I just know hey, one day bro. LeBron's gonna be like giving it back to Akron he's gonna have the nevering defender I'm working on, on it I was just I was just talking to his I promised school today so yeah hey <laughs> make it happen make it happen look it was a pleasure to meet you man I wish you all the best hey Rob thank you bro for real man all right be good who said you needed ice to stay cool Keeping food and drinks cold outdoors and on the go just got easier with the all-new, state-of-the-art Anywhere Fridge. Imagine a world where you're no longer bound to a wall outlet just to maintain proper refrigeration or freezing capabilities. A world in which you're free to go anywhere at any time without limitations. Well, imagine no more, because keeping food and drinks cold outdoors and on the go just became much easier with the new, state-of-the-art Anywhere Fridge. The Anywhere Fridge can even be charged from a standard car outlet or just leave it outside. It's solar-powered. Who would have thought technology could improve on something so simple, and yet, here it is, the Anywhere Fridge. You could even use it for grocery shopping. No need to rush home just to put your groceries away anymore, especially if you're pressed for time. Now you can save time, save money, and save gas with the Anywhere Fridge. Hi, my name is Spencer, inventor of the Anywhere Fridge. The Anywhere Fridge idea came to me at a very young age of 13 years old. One of my visions with the Anywhere Fridge is to not only have it for recreational uses such as camping, the beach, hiking, etc., Although those things are nice, but I also envisioned to give back to those in need who otherwise wouldn't have access to power and or refrigeration, especially in cases such as natural disasters or hurricanes, or even if you needed to keep vaccines cold and refrigerated or maintain a certain temperature. With the Anywhere Fridge, you can do all of that because it's solar powered, you can take it anywhere. Not only does it run all day and night, but it does have its own integrated battery, so it's truly self-sustaining even on cloudy days. Thank you. Spencer Trotter, welcome to Bill with Rob. How are you? Oh, I am better than I deserve. Thank you. Man, great to see you. Great to see you, man. The the explain to me the product. Tell me the vision. Uh and, and give me sort of the status on where you're at right now. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. So, you know, the anywhere fridge initialized with me um as a young boy at the age of 13, actually. And so it's been a long time in the making. And what we what we did throughout the years is we tried to build the prototypes. Uh, make sure the technology worked and whatnot. And now we're at a point where obviously the technology can all come together. Um, so with that being said, we've uh, started a Kickstarter campaign on it, raised some funding so we can try to get it on the market. Now, the Kickstarter is live right now, or did you already go through the Kickstarter? We had already went through the Kickstarter campaign. And then what did mm -hmm. you end up raising on that? So on Kickstarter, well, prior to Kickstarter, we actually did an Indiegogo campaign. We raised about $170,000 on Indiegogo. Wow. And, yeah. And I'll tell you what, Rob, on the Kickstarter campaign, <laughs> we, we launched it um, and we raised $34,000 in four hours. Wow. And so where did you end up doing uh, with all that? So with that, what we tried to do is get the uh, mass production manufacturing done. So that way we can uh, deliver the product to our customers and get the inventory done and so forth. But we did come across um, kind of a crossroads there to where we found out, well, we needed a little bit more sweat equity and capital to get the mass production of the product uh, finished for our customers. Yeah, because like, at the, how much does it end up costing uh, building the entire unit? Like, and how much you, how do you, how much you sell it for at retail? So essentially, we uh, did the numbers and the math and so forth. And in Shenzhen, China, we got it down to about three fifty a unit to manufacture. Um, to retail, we put it down to about nine hundred eighty nine dollars a pot. Yeah, yeah, and and therein lies the the gate great conundrum as an entrepreneur with a vision who's like 
you know what I mean? Who's like pushed it yes. and driven it all the way through all <laughs> these years, through Indiegogo, who getting all the way to China, doing local news, getting it anywhere and everywhere we can get it to tell the story to the vision of what is a great product. But it is you are now in this this sort of conundrum of where you're competing against an igloo for like $40 uh, to have this much more high-valued, longer, better option that, uh, you know, you could plug your cell phone into and charge, you know, whatever it may be. Does it have, it, does it have plugs and adapt to, like, charge other items and stuff like that, or is it strictly just the processor for the cooling? So initially, when I initially invented it, uh, I thought of it just to be a refrigerator. Um, but then, you know, I thought along the lines as to, well, you know, people like convenience, they like luxury. So we implemented the AC outlet, you can plug anything into it, two thumb drive outlets, you can plug your cell phones into it. So not only is it a refrigerator and freezer, um, but it also acts as a solar power generator as well. So that way it's, it's a totally off the grid doomsday product, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And hey, and, and to that point, has there been... Where have you attempted to sell it and have you attempted to, to sell it in retail and people that sort of support, uh, you know, pr- not not hardcore doomsday preppers, but people that sort of just, uh, you know, the retailers that kind of support all the emergency equipment? Have you attempted to try to get them to buy in? As a matter of fact, I'm glad you asked that question. It's a great question. We actually have um, and I'll give you a couple examples. We've. Uh, try to get it into REI, uh, Bass Pro Shop, Big Five, stores like that, camping stores. Uh, we were also looking into, uh, say, the Red Cross and even Doctors Worldwide or Doctors Without Borders um, for things of that nature. So that way they can keep uh, vaccines frozen and refrigerated and things of that nature and things that are very important like that to the medical field to where they can transport it across the entire world. And then what happened? Did you get just keep running into that price point? I mean, uh <laughs> I mean, is that what keeps getting you? You know, yeah, you know, it's 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 the it's the age old saying, you know, you you got to have money to make money, right? Yeah. So, so that's the conund- the conundrum there, where we, uh, you know, we need that initial capital to invest, so that way we can mass produce it, then prove ourselves, and so forth. Just like, for instance, like um, REI, you know, the camping store, a retailer store like that, they want to see prior sales prior to putting a product into their stores, of course, across America. So that's the. Uh, uh, catch 22 that we run into and you know uh, you can only raise so much money on crowdfunding so yeah yeah look you know i i'm i think it's a really really cool product right I, obviously you put in the, the the time to evolve it and and over time and make it better and better and you know my instincts always drive to that price point right where it's just like man you just it's a it's when when the when the innovation or the service if you will um, has has such a big gap um, between the what you would consider uh, the alternative, which sure. is ice, right? Like you know, <laughs> in, in that sort of aspect, and and it, you know, it really had me thinking of like, wow, like is there is the actual like the fact of trying to make it anywhere and portable somewhat prohibitive, right? Because you know, really, it's the solar and the the processor or the, or the whatever that keeps it cool is probably where the majority of your cost is, right? And it's like if you had a a more larger fridge, albeit more expensive to ship and, and not portable, but you now had a fridge outside, you know, or whatever, like, like that now, like literally anywhere in a village, in a, you know, wherever it may be, let that now can have a lot more capacity that would be a similar price, right? Where it really is like, you know, a fridge that can be anywhere that does not need uh, grounded power is is just something that that I was thinking, you know, if you were having resistance to getting one for one, because then it's like, hey, this is more comparable to a regular fridge and you don't need an outlet to have this thing working for you. You know what I mean? I, I, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just something that I was thinking that I, I think, you know, you may, you know, want to consider because it still stays online with your, you know, anywhere fridge it, because ultimately it's that solar power that, that makes the, the great differentiator. It's just a matter of, man, 
is this my, you know, Rolls Royce uh, cooler, you know, versus like this is a, a refrigerator that I don't need to plug in, you know what I mean, that we can keep in our fishing cabin and keep in our, you know, whatever, whatever, these truly off-the-grid places, um, it, you know, it's, it's something that if if I was you, I would just like think about in your roadmap and sort of 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 your potential especially on that b2b side getting with those doctors and those sort of worlds where it, it if it scales up it has a different sort of value um versus like that portable side which then the competition is is ice man it's lice you know and and versus like full refrigeration uh, which is a much different ball game where now you've got all the groceries and and you know for people that don't have it but i don't know that's that's just you know as someone who looks at everything through that sort of lens of what is the friction what what is the friction and 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 that potentially is and then maybe at scale you know and or even getting an understanding of what the customer would pay Right. Sure. If they're like, oh, we could sell if this was 200 all day long and, and not saying that's real, but at least there's like some marker in there um, that you uh, can can hunt for and, and understand where the potential of that cost, where the economies are that get there and if if they even can. But but that's just the just some general thought of really as I was thinking about as a whole, as a consumer now, you know what I mean? And and like, how would I use it? Where would I use it? Like, what would I pay it for? And I would, I just kept like, I keep looking at the cooler and I'm, it's a cooler alternative, um, as opposed to the refrigerator alternative, um, which is a different, different concept, but, but has the economics and the service and value prop that might be worth, you know, considering since you've done all this legwork, you know? Well, you know, that's, that's a great question. I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought this up, Rob, because it's funny because we actually, the one we're advertising online, uh, that is our base model. We actually have three different models. We have a, a smaller version, which is much cheaper as well. Um, it's in that $300 range that you were talking about. And we also have a recreational model, uh, which is actually the size of a standard refrigerator, which it still folds down and transforms and collapses down to five inches. So if you wanted to put it in the bed of your truck and go hunting, put a whole deer in it, you can even do that. So we do actually have that variety of different price ranges and sizes. How much is that big one? So the big one, that currently retails for about 2500 because obviously the capacity of it. And in all the refrigerators, it's actually uh, state-of-the-art technology. So we're not really just using your standard compressor um, with Freon because Freon is, you know, it's bad for the ozone layer or whatnot. We're using what you call a... Um, solid state compressor so that way it lasts longer and it freezes more so it goes eight degrees below celsius which is eight degrees below zero wow yeah look i mean look you man you did it all you know what I mean? and it, it, it's like when you make the rolls royce you know what i mean it's like you know it, it, there's there's like a there's like another level in ferraris right you can buy a regular Ferrari, then you can buy the special edition Ferraris, and then if like you are someone who's bought like a hundred regular and special edition Ferraris, they allow you to make a one-off Ferrari that's like you know ten million dollars for you to make. But it's like man, there's a there's a few amount of people that will ever ever get there, you know. And and sure, it, it is the it is the idea when you create a luxury product um, that ultimately, you know. Like, like really understanding who that that consumer is, and and all of these these sort of technology and this sort of additional tech that you've added to it, it's there. They're willing to pay for the peep the the customer that has the money, right? So, uh, that's that's the really right. interesting side of it. But look, um, super interesting. I do think there's probably a sweet spot and cost there that changes everything. Um, but yeah, hit me with the questions. I know you got a couple questions. You know, I do, you know, as a matter of fact, I, I was actually wondering, you know, in my personal, my personal goals with the annual fridge, uh, you know, is to eventually give back to those in need who otherwise wouldn't have access to power and or refrigeration in other foreign countries, you know, um, and give them the opportunity to have a 
a product like this, um, where they can actually, it's a life-sustaining product in their situation. You know, in our situation, you know, we have a lot of luxury in the United States. They don't have that much luxury. This would be everything for them. So that's one of my ultimate goals. And, you know, I'm just curious now that you're at the point to where you're at in your success, what are a couple of your goals ultimately now? I, I mean, look, you know, from a philanthropy side, you know, I'm just launched launched the Doer Dire Foundation. You know, I put a million dollars to into the foundation to launch it, and really, you know, for me, it's like I know how much um, learning the skills of being an entrepreneur can can not only uh, serve you for a lifetime, but ultimately help you live a better life and help you learn to be the CEO of your life, as Defy Ventures says. And and I've partnered then with other great charities uh, with Defy Build that, that have programs to teach entrepreneur um, skill sets and and then donate to them and, and I'm doing um, uh, business plan learning competitions as a way for them to earn uh, non-dilutive capital, right, um, for, for me. Right. In the, in the sense of like, you know, I, I think as I continue to find the success, like I'm I believe sort of the mindset and the skill set that's that's learned in this this world is really beneficial for you forever. Uh, even if your first couple ventures fail, you continue to evolve and get better. And, and then when I think about like how how valuable like like having one of your fridges in these places that don't have access to power and and how there's probably a lot of uh uh charities that may support that cuz it'd be really interesting to go out and find some of these charities that work with with places that that don't have running water and power and be like hey every time we sell one like would you buy one at cost and donate it to one of those places right cuz it's almost like yeah like it's almost like rather than you bake it into your margin the way that like a Tom's does where it's like they sell one pair, give one away the way Bombas yeah. does, you know, exactly. that's just, that's critical. It's very difficult on a, on, for a, a business like yours, but you have the product and the technology be really interesting for you to connect with a foundation or another charity that is already supporting those regions and be like, Hey, every time if we did a partnership, I would sell one to you for cost to donate there and that would be a really interesting way for you to be able to scale uh, your sort of vision of how to use what you've created to help other people uh, with a partnership, you know, in a, in a way that's a win-win for everybody. Um, that that would be really, really interesting um, thing, I think, maybe for you to explore and potentially approach as well. That is a fantastic idea. I actually didn't even think of that. I appreciate that info. That's uh uh, that just might work too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, you have the product and it's just, you can't give it away, but you know what an impact it would make. But there's charities that have, you know, tons of cash that are looking for the right programs to, to deploy that cash. And man, you could be the perfect fit, man. And, and how beautiful would that be? Every time someone buys one, boom, you, you instant, you can show instant impact on what you're doing for for a place that doesn't have it, and I think that that alone could be the awareness and the reason for people to pay more for it, right? Because it's like, okay, it's not only that, but this is what it's doing. So it's I don't mind overpaying for the service for the actual impact that it's making on Earth. You know what I right. mean? Right. So my sentiments exactly. Yeah, and and think about that. It, it's it's the it's the uniqueness of the game of building a business and and playing the game of margin and cost of goods and customer acquisition and awareness and how how, how you can be of service for the product and and technology you created that's a really interesting way of making it all come together uh that could could not only elevate you and your business but then elevate like the impact that you desire to create and accelerate it at a much quicker pace Absolutely. And, you know, that that is just, uh, you know, I was going to mention to you as well, one of the great things about the Inner Fridge 2 that we implemented is uh, before, you know, COVID, uh, we even put UV lights in it. So it kills all kinds of different diseases, salmonella, E. coli poisoning, COVID. Uh, so that way it's sanitized and always healthy and, you know, your food's always great. And yeah. there you go. Bam, you know. Yeah, you got something there. You got something there. That's, that's a, a super unique 
uh, sort of business model, but man, you get the right, right <laughs> support and man, it's lights out. It's lights out. Thank you. I really yeah. appreciate you saying that. Cause I'll tell you what, this has been a lifelong dream for me and I've been working on it for about 20 some odd years. And it is definitely uh, turned into more than just a dream. You know, I've made quite a bit happen with it. And at this point, if I can get it uh, to the point to where it needs to be, that's that'd be fantastic. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be amazing. What, what, what other question you got for me? You know, I've been meaning to ask you, you know, because when I first became an entrepreneur, it all initialized um, at the age of 13. Uh, and uh, that's how I invented the inner fridge. And the way I was inspired to do it is because I would sell candy door to door and it would melt. And so I needed to think of something that would keep it, you know, cool. Um, so that inspired me to create the product to become an entrepreneur. But my question is, what initially drove you and inspired you to do what it is you're doing and become a philanthropist and entrepreneur as well? I, I mean, look, I, I, you know, recently made a video of like, you don't like choose to be an entrepreneur, like, and if you have to ask, should I be an entrepreneur, then you shouldn't be one. And I think like, you know, for me, I like to say I was raised by entrepreneur wolves, you know, like I, you know, I first called a skate shop when I was really young. They had a, they had a ramp in the back. Would you let me skate it? but I couldn't afford it. Would you let me skate for free if I get 10 people to pay? And they thought it was ridiculous. Like, why don't you just come down here? And so like, you know, it, and it opened the door to me seeing the young entrepreneur who founded that skate shop and then watched him start all these companies. And I just, in my mind, it was just already part of my identity. You know, mm -hmm. when I, you know, was, became a pro skateboarder, you know, I, I left high school when I was 16 to be a pro skateboarder. I, used to call myself a brand back then in, in 91 and track all my finances, you know, and I moved to California and started my first company, built my first company uh, with an operator, Soup the Nuts Orion Aluminum, when I was 17, you know. And, and so for me, you know, I had – I was raised by serial entrepreneurs and assumed that's what I was too. And so I just started company after company as different sort of opportunities presented themselves, uh, DC and now having signature footwear and then that be getting really big. Now I had much more capital than I started opening retail stores and record labels. I started dabbling in all these different sort of things. And then ultimately, you know, it, it evolved into television and the scale and the reach that I had with television. Then I started building all these other companies and I did movies and launched my pro skateboarding leave and cartoons and toy stores and Walmart. I just I ended up with such this world of experience that it it, it also led me you know, into a bit of chaos because I had found so much success and failure simultaneously that I wasn't sure what really worked or what I liked doing the most. And then when I finally took the time to really evaluate, you know, what it was I was most passionate about, what I really wanted my life and legacy to be about, it slowly codified and formed into like the what the machine is today because I realized I'm actually most passionate about creating and I love creating businesses from the idea stage and I wanted to create a system that allowed me to do it consistently and get better and better at making it sustainable, profitable and successful um, because business it, you know, is always amazing when it, when it works. Right. It's painful when you're fighting to figure it out. And it <laughs> is the ultimate gut punch, identity breaker, soul crusher when you've got to finally say goodbye to something. And you never, ever get over it. You know what I mean? Like, as I was saying it, I was just thinking through a handful of, like, companies that I, like, like had to end. And it, and it still, like, is, like... The, the scar is like a wound that never fully heals. You know what I mean? Plenty of lessons and so much learned, uh, but you never set out on a venture with the goal of it ever, ever not working. You know what I mean? But yeah, look, that's that's sort of like the journey that that led me to to that, and and I, and I think everybody kind of goes on that that discovery, and and the goal is, you know, you know, to to create the right idea. 
and keep fighting. If you're super passionate about it like you and, 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 you know, maybe it's one conversation, one conversation with it, one video to, to the deer dick machine and one conversation with Rob that opens up your mind to just think of one more angle that now opens it up and it goes like that. That's one thing of why I call it the art, science and magic. You got it. You got to design it and create it. There's fundamentals of business, but boy, you know, there's that intangible one, one sort of bit of magic that can make all the difference in, in a business becoming successful, you know? You know, I couldn't agree with you more, uh, you know, and, and I am, I am more than open to new ideas. And just like you were mentioning before, you know, to, to contact, you know, um, people like the Red Cross and so forth, that is just, you know, that's, that's a great thing because if I can get a hold of those companies that are already doing these kind of things for their shoes and so forth, that'd be probably a door opener there. Yeah. All right. Well, look, man, I wish you the absolute best, man. You keep, keep pushing and, and, and make it happen, man. Impact the world. Thank you so much, Rob. And pleasure being on your show. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Be good. All right. There you have it. Another episode of Build with Rob. Thank you all uh, for continuing to support the show and always listening. Of course, you know, like, subscribe wherever you listen to the show. You want to get more involved with us down here at The Machine, become a machinist. Go to DeerDickMachine.com, sign up to be a machinist, be part of our process. Uh, you got a great idea, pitch it to us. You know, we, we love hearing uh, entrepreneur ideas and you might just end up on this show as well, you know. So again, anything you do, I don't care what it is, uh, you got to have a vision, you got you to gotta know what you want to do. Uh, you got to build a plan to actually do it and then you got to commit and give it everything you got until it happens. See it? Believe it and do it. Until next time, it's your boy Rob Deerdash.